So, God told you to write a book. Now what? Hi, I'm Wendy Jo Serna, author, narrator, wife, and mother. I've written and published two novels thus far without really having any clue what I was doing. All I knew for sure was that I'd heard from the Lord that I was to write a book. Beyond that, it was all just one grand adventure of faith and a lot of work. And along the way, I learned a few things, things I'd like to share with you. If I can do this, you can do this. You can write your book. Hey, if the author and finisher of all things told you to do it, he believes that you can. And so do I. So come on. Let's write. Hello, authors. Welcome back to So God Told You to Write a Book, Now What? We are on episode 13. And yes, I know it's been a minute since we recorded the last episode. A couple of reasons for that. Well, you know, life happens along the way, but um, just part of the process of writing a book, I've been doing the cover design, working on it for a couple of months, so not a, a lot of things to report there. But we've just finished that process, so we're going to walk through the cover design uh, today and what all that entails. And also because I'm in my new sound booth studio in my basement. Yes, indeed, I have come out of the closet, so to speak. <laughs> Was literally recording in a small clothing closet for the last few months, and. My husband, bless his heart, along with a bunch of good friends, contractors, have put together a new studio for me. Thanks. Shout out to my friend Dana Burke for putting up all these amazing uh, acoustical panels around on the walls and on my ceilings and in the corners. And it's just an amazing upgrade that it has taken some doing to get done. So this is today we're launching it out. See how it goes. It's remarkably quiet in here. <laughs> it's quite wonderful. So, to the matter at hand. Uh, your cover design. This is a really important part of your book. I know there's the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but honestly, it's what we do. We just, we look at books by their cover and we're drawn to it or we're not drawn to it. You know, biblically, I remember the story where um, Samuel is being sent to Jesse and his sons to find the new king to anoint after Saul had sort of fallen off of his pedestal. And when Samuel first begins to meet Jesse's sons, the oldest comes in and he is tall and handsome and regal looking and Samuel thinks to himself, surely this must be the guy I've come to anoint. So the Spirit of God says, this is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees, since man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So I know that the main point of that is that God is actually looking at our inward condition, and that's what he's always looking at. Uh, but the reality is it also says that man looks at the outward appearance. So your book cover matters because a lot of people will never get to the heart of your message or your story because they're not going to get past the outer cover. So taking time 
taking intentionality and attention focus on your cover is really important. You know, so there's a couple of different directions you can go if you're really on a budget. Um, first of all, if you have a graphic design background and you know how to do this stuff yourself, great, go for it. If you don't, I'd say at the very least, uh, find there are some free templates on KDP that you can use um, to design a cover. I think they're a little outdated. I think they're not the greatest, but you know, they'll get you a cover, they'll get your book out there, but I can't recommend them super highly. Um, but you could also use uh, someplace like uh, Canva. They have templates also that are a little more up to date and you might have to pay like $25 or something, but that's, you know, if you want to work that way, if you're a DIY person and you're really on a budget, you can do that as well. There are places online like Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And they have a wide variety of designers on there that will cost you anywhere from $25 to maybe $500, depending upon their expertise. Perhaps a little difficult to vet those designers unless you read their reviews or that sort of thing. Uh, there's a lot of different ways online that you can find designers. Um, there's one website called readsy.com, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. And they have um, everything from editors to cover designers um, and marketplace um, help with that. And, you know, you pay a little bit more for those because those are professional designers. So I would say someone who is going to give you a very professional, um, like the like Sharon, who I'm working with, is going to be right around $1,000, perhaps a little bit more, but not a lot more than that. So just FYI, if you're putting things in the budget. I am currently connected with one through through Square Tree Publishing. They have their own sort of stable of uh, talent who's helping with covers and editing and all that. So that's how I got connected to Sharon Marta is her name. And I worked with her a couple of years ago. When I first got connected with Sherry Ward at Square Tree Publishing, the reason I connected with her is because I needed help marketing my books. And the first book, The Baby Catcher Gate, I had originally done the cover just myself and my daughter working on it. And I loved the cover and it was great for the season that we're in, as I mentioned before. But Sherry, the very first thing she said about what she would recommend is getting a redo on the cover design, which took a little stepping back for me and sort of detaching from it emotionally because I was pretty invested emotionally in that first cover and saying, okay, well, Perhaps that is what I need to do. So Sharon actually worked with me redesigning the cover of the Baby Catcher Gate. I had hired a professional um, on the agreements, um, a gal named Julie out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to do that one. And I was very pleased with that cover and the professionality and the level. And clearly it was up a few ticks from what I had done by myself. So um, so we redid the Baby Catcher Gate. I'm very pleased with the cover. But that was quite a journey of understanding how to work with a cover designer. So part of the package that I got with um, Sharon is she's very specific about what you're going to get. So on the front cover, you get five iterations of design from beginning to end to work through what you have in your head to communicate to her till she gets something in her head and it comes out on 
a design, and you go back and forth over the different elements of, yes, I like that. No, I don't like that. Can we change the color? Can we change the font? Can we change the size? And I get five iterations on the front cover, and on the back cover, there are three iterations. So what did that look like this time around? So for Solbakken, A Tale of Generations, we had an initial consultation where I tell her, the designer, what the story is about in general, kind of broad strokes without going into complete detail. And then she asks about what elements do I have envisioned in my head uh, being on the cover. And I would say this is really an important part when you're either as you're writing or when you're done writing to to sort of search in your heart, what is it that evokes in your mind an image of what is within within the covers of, of your book? What is it that you would like to see that portrays what's happening inside the book? That was part of the problem with my first Baby Catcher Gate cover is that it was a beautiful cover, but it didn't necessarily evoke the storyline or the through line of the plot of that. So when we reworked it, uh, that was really something I had to think through of how do we sort of tell the story without telling the whole story, but enough to get people intrigued to say, wow, I wonder what that's all about. So with Solbakken, the biggest image I had in my head was of a tree, a large oak tree. A lot happens in the story underneath a large oak tree. And I wanted the tree to be sort of symbolic of the tree of life. Um, You've seen some of those images, perhaps, where there's a large tree above ground, but there's also, you can see the root system underneath the ground level, so that you're connecting, you know, generations that are and generations that were and the root system of family lines. I also uh, had images of, like, the Milky Way or a big, expansive sky, thinking about the story of Abraham. And when when he had no descendants at all, the Lord said, look up to the heavens and uh, count the stars that your descendants will be as the stars that you will be a father of nations. So some of those images were in my head. So I communicated those to Sharon, and she came back with the first iteration. And there was a lot to like about it. And there were some things that I didn't like about it. And there were some elements in there that uh, were not in my head, that were in her head, even though we had talked a lot. And so I would say, okay, can we remove the fence line, remove the flowers, and 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 perhaps there were some leaves that we were were kind of floating around, which I kind of liked, but I wasn't sure. And she, so we sort of reworked those a bit. Uh, one of the biggest elements that we were continually reworking was the font that the um, title was in. I had a picture in my head of something Nordic, but that's kind of broad. So she was searching for quote-unquote Nordic fonts, and I was searching for them, and I wanted something that was a little decorative, but not so decorative that you can't know, that you can't really read the words or the letters become confusing. So we threw that back and forth and really didn't land on a final font until the very, the fifth iteration where she found one, sent it to me uh, before she put it in the design to say, is this it? Is this going to work? And I said, yes, that's, that will work. Let's try that. So 
finally, it did take all of five iterations before she and I landed on something that to me really sent out the, I don't know, the vibe or the energy or the, yeah, that I wanted, to, that I want people to look at and say, well, well, that that really seems to me to say there's a wow factor here that is, um, there's an awe, there's a, yeah, I don't know what other words, there's an awe about this storyline that I want, that is intriguing, that draws me in. So that's what, so that's the front cover. I have my just title uh, and images and my name. Then the designer goes onto the spine of your book and the back cover are all sort of wrapped up into the back cover design. So the spine of the book now has Solbach and A Tale of Generations using that same font that I used on the front cover and my name, which is in a little bit different font. And I asked her to put it in the same font as we used in the Baby Catcher Gate. So if you line up the books, you know, back to back to back on and with just their spines showing that there will be some something that sort of ties them together looks similar. So we did that. Now on the back cover, there are certain elements that are sort of required. First of all, you have to have a blurb that says, what is this book actually about? And that blurb is is important because that's pretty much, you know, I don't know about you, but when I pick up a book to see what it's about, I either flip to the back cover or, you know, the inside jacket or wherever there's a short description of what's going on inside the cover. And that's the thing that pretty much decides whether I'm going to dive in or not. Online, of course, you go and you read that same blurb is going to be on your Amazon page or wherever you're selling your book. So taking some time to really think about that, I had uh, the help of my editor, Melody, at Square Tree Publishing, to, who had, of course, read through the book in depth because she was my editor. So she had a good idea of what's at the core of this story. And she put out some suggestions. She wrote uh, a blurb. We went back and forth on that a bit until, until we landed on, again, uh, something that I felt like really is succinct and enough to give you some of the storyline and not too much that you give away too many elements. But there's a, a word count on there that is, I don't think it's hard and fast, but there there is a word count element that you have to be aware of on your back cover because you can only put so much in there. So a general rule of thumb for a back cover with word count is right around if you're doing fiction or nonfiction, about 175 to 225, anything over 250 is just going to be too crowded too much. So you've got to make it pretty succinct, 175 to 225, right around there. I think for a children's book cover, the back, I don't think they want anything over about 100 words. So because you're dealing with kids, right? So that's just a little general rule of thumb there. So as you're working on it, be be aware that you need to be succinct and concise on that. Then you also need to have a, a little short bio about the author. And Melody also, we, we also worked on that a little bit, but it has to give just a little bit about you, your background, maybe other things you've written, or if this is your first novel or your first book, where you write those things in. And I also have a bio inside of my book at the very back in the back matter about the author. And that one's a little longer because you've got a little more room to work with. The one on the back cover needs to be pretty short, to the point. 
um, but giving a little description and a little insight about who you are and where you come from. I also have included on my back covers a headshot. Now, what's a good headshot? <laughs> so I went and got new headshots done um, just a few weeks ago because I happen to have a family connection uh, down in Portland, drove down, and um, it's my daughter's boyfriend. <laughs> so shout out to Russell. But he has a studio that he works in and already a space and all of the, you know, the lighting stuff and the camera and this is part of what he does. So I thought, well, this would be a good way to connect with him and also to get some good headshots, new headshots done. Part of the reason, okay, so when do you need a new headshot? You know, there's no hard, fast rule on that. But I think the standard answer I would give is your headshot needs to uh, portray who you currently are. So, you know, five years, 10 years, you might look a lot the same. You might not. Sometimes you've gained a lot of weight. You've lost a lot of weight. Your hair color is different. For me, part of the reason that I wanted to do a new headshot is I had have, I have had some work done on my front teeth over the last year that put some new caps on. I had some issues with my front teeth since I was nine years old when I did a little bike crash and knocked one out and cracked the others and chips. Anyway, long story. But I've always been a little bit self-conscious about my teeth. And so my first headshots, you don't see my teeth because I've learned to smile with just my lips, you know, how that goes. So I felt like maybe it would be a little more engaging to have a smile that actually shows some of my teeth and my new teeth, some which are quite lovely. Shout out to Dr. Markson. So that was part of the impetus behind getting some new headshots. Yeah, because I love my new smile and it's quite amazing. And I, I'm really, really thankful for those who have figured out how to do uh, teeth upgrades. So that was part of the impetus for me. Now, the other thing about headshots is you want your headshot to portray who you currently are. So it needs to be like the best version of you right now. But it also doesn't need, how to say this? It can't be so good of you that if you walk into a room after someone has looked at your headshot, that they're disappointed. Does that make, does that make sense? Like, like you remember back in the, what, the 90s or whatever, where they had these fantasy sort of luxury uh, photo, photo sessions you go into where they do your hair all up and do your makeup like you were some kind of star starlet from the 1940s on a, you know, a big poster for a movie or something. And so, you know, fun to do that. But is that really the you that generally walks into a room when you're just at your best looking your nicest for a, a business meeting or a going out to dinner or a whatever? To get a good headshot is a really good idea. And you don't have to go spend a whole ton of money on it. But it is a good idea to have someone who has a good camera that will give you some high resolution photographs for for that. So Russell did a great job. I got several different, some sitting, some standing, different poses, different uh, tops, wardrobe, that kind of thing. And we had a good time and we got some really good shots done. So I have a new headshot on the back cover. I also have a different one that I put inside and I made just into, I turned it into just black and white. So when it prints, you're not paying for color printing, but just a black and white in the back when I'm doing the same blurb about the author, I put a different one in there. So headshots are important. So you've got your blurb, you've got your author bio, you've got your headshot, and then there is going to be a little space for 
um, an ISBN, which is the like barcode and number that every book gets assigned to um, for retail purposes, for all, just so they're everybody can track the difference between one book from the other. And that ISBN will either be assigned to you, uh, like when I just uploaded my first books myself onto the KDP uh, website, which is the onloading for your Amazon selling platform, they assign you an ISBN and put it on the cover for you. Now, when I'm going through Squaretree, they, they have their own ISBN acquisition. And so I was assigned an ISBN through Squaretree. That gets put on the back cover as well. And since I'm working through a publisher, they get to put their little logo, the Square Tree logo, also on the back cover. So there's a lot that goes on on your back cover. And um, having a designer who puts it all together in a fashion that is makes sense, looks good, and also sort of brings with it the um, elements from the front cover that brings it all together and makes it congruous one to the next. So that takes some doing. And it took a little time for Sharon and I this time to go back and forth. Part of it was we had, you know, the holidays in the middle of all that. Like I said, life happens along the way. We're done. And I have the files for my cover. And I love it very much. So there you go. That's the part that we're working on right now. I think next time we're going to talk about formatting the interior of your book, which is a whole nother ball of wax, as they say. Um, can of worms, perhaps? Bucket of crazy? I don't know. It's a lot. Um, I've done that a couple of times now, too. And so we'll talk about that a bit. And hopefully, before we know it, we're going to have this book actually launched and available to buy um, wherever books are sold. So there you go. I hope that's encouraging. I hope that's helpful. It's nice to be back with you and continuing on this journey. We're going to go all the way through to the end when we have a book in hand. So we're almost there. Blessings and peace. I sure love and appreciate you. Shalom. Shalom.